0: You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of his Holy Spirit about his Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to bring us together by giving us what we need together. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we're continuing on in this sermon series where we're going to be talking about what it means for us as Christians to live life together, what it means for us to be uh, united in this thing that is called the church, big C church, the big C church, which means all of Christianity, but also little C church. What it means for us to be united, even in this place, in this this uh, in this spot right here on uh, the campus of Florida State in Tallahassee, Florida, and and how this applies to us. And in order to do that, we've been looking at well, so far two churches. Uh, last week we took a look at the church in Rome, and and the church in Rome. Rome was sort of its own thing. It was largely populated by a whole bunch of people who were uh, escaping and and fleeing to Rome in order to uh, not be persecuted in Jerusalem and in other places. And so they have found themselves there in Rome, but uh, persecutions kind of continued. And so uh, you had this sort of feeling of, uh, okay, we're really serious about this. And uh, we've been doing this Christian thing for as long as this Christian thing has been around. But now we're going about 600 or so miles to the south to Corinth in Greece. And we're going to be hanging around in Corinth for a little bit in our sermon series here. And the church in Corinth is way different. The church in Corinth is is a different place. First of all, Corinth is a different city. Rome is this city that is filled with all sorts of government. It's filled with uh, the, the Roman Empire and how the Roman Empire works. It's sort of a government city. But then you go to Corinth, and Corinth is not necessarily as much a government city as much as it is a cultural city. Uh, so. Instead of, of going to Washington, D.C., we're, we're going to well, maybe New York or, or Las Vegas or, or uh, L.A., so some place where, where it's much more about culture. And in that, there is also this sort of thing where, where Christianity is very new in Corinth. They've only had Christianity for a little while, and, well, so far they're already messing things up we're We're jumping in at First Corinthians twelve, and so far in First Corinthians, we have seen that, well, you know, they kind of are doing the Christian thing, but they also are kind of, well, they're not really getting it exactly right. It's sort of like they, this is amateur hour, And what Paul is doing is he's writing them, and he's saying, all right, this is how you kind of move this to the next level. This is how you bring your Christianity into being a little bit more mature and uh, be, being a, a little bit more Christ like. And uh, he begins uh, this, uh, letter, th- this part of the letter to them by saying, Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant of spiritual gifts. And the interesting thing about Paul saying that is that through the context of the rest of the book, we find out that they're not necessarily, well, really ignorant of, the, of spiritual gifts. In fact, if anything, they probably are a little bit too fixated on spiritual gifts. I mean, these are the people that kind of know the trivia about spiritual gifts. Uh, They're sort of like the people that you, you know that they watch all of the Star Wars shows and they tell you every name of every character who has ever been a part of Star Wars. They know these things very, very well. They're very informed about spiritual gifts. And Paul is saying that the problem with their understanding of the spiritual gifts is not in terms of understanding their individual spiritual gifts, but it's in understanding kind of the bigger whole. And and so it's, it's sort of like if you've ever put together anything from Ikea, If you've ever put anything together from Ikea, it probably means that, first of all, you've walked through that prayer labyrinth that is Ikea. You've you've kind of walked through, and you've envisioned, and you've seen, like, oh, this would go perfect in my living room or in my bathroom or whatever. And then you get to this point where you go down to the basement or, or wherever it is in the particular Ikea that you're from, and then you go and you say, I want this thing, and they bring you a box and you say, no, 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 I don't want a box, I want a desk. And they say, this is a desk. And you go, oh, yeah, okay, so I have to put this thing together myself. And so you bring it home, and then you open up the box, and then there you find, amongst all of the pieces, you find that instruction manual. That instruction manual that is... is uh, put together very well and uh, has no words or at least very few words in terms of how you put this thing together. And so you're taking a look at this and the first thing that you see in the Ikea instruction manual is the listing of pieces. And if you're getting something significant at Ikea, that listing of pieces is a little bit overwhelming. Well, that's sort of what it's like when Paul starts to rattle through all of these different spiritual gifts. You start looking at all of these different spiritual gifts, and you're like, okay, well, there's the spiritual gift of this and of that, and of speaking in tongues, and there's one of interpreting tongues, and there's one of uh, hospitality, and there's one. And it reminds you, maybe, if you've been Christian for long enough, somebody who gave you some sort of a Scantron sheet where you were supposed to fill it out, and then all of a sudden, uh, the, the algorithm behind it went... Brrr-t! These are your spiritual gifts. And maybe you remember yours, or maybe you're struggling to remember yours right now. Maybe you're going, did I have the spiritual gift of hospitality or of hostility? <laughs> and and you're, you're kind of going, okay... We, what is, what is my spiritual gift? And we, we have this sense of, okay, well, the important thing is for me to understand what my spiritual gift is. And sure enough, that's kind of an important thing. And it's an important thing that the First Corinthians here, well, they, 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 the First Corinthians, the Corinthians have, have gotten down. They sort of know what their spiritual gifts are. In fact, they are, at this point, they are that listing at the beginning of the instruction manual. They are that listing. They know very well who they are. You know, one of them can raise their hand and they can say, I'm a plank. (laughs) And the other one can raise their hand and they can say, well, I'm a bolt. And maybe some of us can do that too. We, We can raise our hand and we can say, I'm a plank too. And some of the rest of us can say, well, I'm a bolt or whatever it is that you feel that you are in in the body of Christ, you kind of maybe have an understanding of what kind of a piece you are. And if you don't know that, then that's fine, because obviously we have these Scantron sheet things where we can find out what you are in the body of Christ. And yet, the thing that's most important that Paul is pointing out here in 1 Corinthians is actually not what kind of piece you are just like the thing that's most important about whatever that thing is in the box when you get it at ikea is not what pieces are in that box because what you want when you get that box is you don't want a bunch of pieces unless you're really strange (laughs) but rather what you want is you, you want a desk Or you want a chair. Or you want something else that is something that is all put together. And you know that the pieces comprise that thing that is all put together. But that the most important thing in that box is all of those things fitting together. And all of those things working together. And none of those pieces being missing and all of those pieces being joined together in a way that is harmonious and creates a thing, whatever it is, probably with one of those strange sort of Scandinavian circles above one of the vowels. Well, that's what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians. He says the most important thing for us to understand about the church sometimes is not necessarily the pieces that are a part of the church but rather it is the church itself because the reason that the church is here is that the church is supposed to be this thing where we're all gathered together by the holy spirit Where all of us, no matter what kind of a weird piece we feel we might be, we might be the only one in the box, we think, sometimes. But even if that's how you feel, God is telling you that there's a place for you in this thing that he's creating, his church. And then he's bringing us together. So that he can do something marvelous, so that he can do something celebratory, so that he can do something fun, which, I mean, that's really sort of where we end up with this story of the wedding at Cana when we look into that gospel reading. That gospel reading that is Jesus' first miracle, but it's also it's probably one of the more fun things that Jesus did, maybe outside of the big feast that he does for 5,000 people. Here, he does something really fun. You know, he, he says, I'm going to turn water into wine. This is a big deal. And it actually sort of illustrates one of the, the things that can go wrong in our churches, one of the things that, we can, that can go wrong in our church is that we can uh, sort of inadequately be prepared for celebration. That uh, what's happening here in this wedding feast, which, by the way, it's a, a Jewish wedding feast, which uh, lasts several, several days, and so you would have needed a lot of, lot of wine. And, and, and Jesus is noticing here something that's lacking. He's noticing something here that's missing, and and he's saying, oh, my mom just told me that there's no more wine. And at first, he sort of puts it off, and he says, well, it's not my time yet, but then there's something about this where it appears that Jesus notices something that fits with his mission, because a big part of what Jesus's mission is, is to transform us so that we can be useful. And so what does Jesus do? He calls over some people that are sort of outlying characters. They're, you know, they're sort of odd pieces. They're, they're pieces that don't take front and center stage in anything. He calls together the, the servants and he says, go and fill up the, the jars, these jars that were used for purification. Go and fill them up. And they fill them up to the brim. And he says, now go and take this to the master of the feast. And what he'll find out is that I have fulfilled the lack. And that's what he does with us. When he forgives our sins, when he includes us through baptism, when he brings us back into his fold in Holy Communion, when he does those things that redeem us, that bring us back into the fold, what he does is he doesn't just do that for us individually as pieces. I mean, it does work that way. He does fix us if we're a plank. He makes us a good plank. But he doesn't make us a good plank just for the sake of our being a good plank. But rather, he puts us together In his church and so he fixes us by forgiveness by inclusion by baptism by the word he fixes us with all of those things and then he says not only am I fixing you but I'm putting you in life together in this wondrous thing that's called the church so that you can exist together with other pieces that are meant to be together that is what jesus does for us he takes us people that might be sort of sideline characters people who maybe don't know what their spiritual gifts are or maybe know what their spiritual gifts are and sort of don't like your spiritual gift anybody ever come up with one of those where you're like i that says that that's my spiritual gift but i don't want that And Jesus takes us. He forgives us. He renews us. He sanctifies us and makes us a part of something beautiful. A part of his church. So that not only may we be saved, but so that we may be saved with others around us who he has given to us to love. So may you this week know that no matter what your spiritual gift is you have a place in God's plan because he has baptized you he has filled you with his word and Holy Spirit and he has given you his forgiveness over and over again and will continue to do so may you know that your peace fits in this thing That he is creating in the world so that that thing might display its glory and its fun and its enjoyment in him. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.